Well, hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to a new edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 90. It is Wednesday, February the 2nd. We are talking today about the 2022 Challenge of the Americas opening weekend, a Muscleman Honda circuit in Tucson, Arizona. Again, a full dive into the program. Rob Howden alongside David Cole here. Those of you who are tuning in, hopefully you've listened to it, potentially downloaded it to your EKN Radio Network app, listening to it on the way to work, whatever it may be. Uh, but again, uh, kind of wrapping up our coverage, our can Trackside Live coverage of the opening round of, of the challenge out in Arizona. This week's show presented by the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park just north of Houston, the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. All right, David Cole, we're in. We'll wrap up our coverage from the Challenge of the Americas. It was great to get back out to the program. 15th edition of the Great Series, our 10th time, 10th straight year that we've been working with Andy Saisman and the crew. Um, you know, 11, bottom line, 11. Bo- what? 11, <laughs> 11. Yes. I was saying 10 all weekend. No, it's 11. Jesus. We started wow. in 2012. 11, so the 11th year. Wow. Cause this, we, yeah, we've done, tw- we've done 10. Yes. This, this go. started the 11th year. Sorry. Well, but, hey, the bottom line is this, uh, it was minus whatever. I think it was minus seven back here in Cambridge for a lot of the weekend. Uh, I know it was in the negative one, well, probably not in the negatives, but it was freezing cold in Michigan as well too. We were in the right place. It was freezing cold in Daytona. We weren't in Florida. The right place to be this past weekend was Tucson, Arizona. Well, I, I, I don't know because those California guys, they did not like the wind that was that was bustling around and the cold temperatures at night. So uh, I guess for us northerners and those not in Daytona, yeah, Tucson had way better weather than those two locations. Hey, for hey sure. it, worked, it worked for Saisman. They sold out, I think, they, of all the brand new, you know, they have the, all the brand new gear for the challenge, the 15th season, their new swag, all their, their, uh, their beanies, their sweatshirts. I think they sold everything out. <laughs> So yeah, that's true. Yeah, right? they all the uh, all the warm all the warm clothing was was sold out. That's sold that's out. a given. Uh, you you saw everybody rep- representing their yeah. their warm clothes on all the gear that all the team gears and yeah. So that's that's a positive on on the weather. And it wasn't so much the actual weather; it was just wind. I wind. mean, that's really what it boiled down to. It was um, you know near sixty miles per hour winds at certain points on <sighs> Friday. Thankfully, you know, it went down. It was not uh, as terrible on Saturday. And then Sunday was a more normal weather day uh, in Tucson with temperatures well, getting near the 70 degree and no wind whatsoever. And the temperatures were actually pretty like they were. It wasn't like it was 50 degrees during the middle of the day. The one day it just it's that well, wind, it, that wind factor. Right. Like the yeah, Sunday, Sunday felt yeah, like the middle of summer it was awesome. It's the wind chill. You know, yeah. it, it, the, the sun was out all three days. So that wasn't an issue. There was no clouds in the sky whatsoever. It was the wind chill brought yeah. it down made it feel like you were you were in a cold weather climate for sure so let's lay out the overview for you folks here's the kind of baseline um again the challenge of the americas uh, into its 15th season as we said three double header weekends one in at the end of january end of february end of march the finale up at sonoma january 28th to the 30th the round we're talking about here today muscleman honda circuit in tucson arizona uh not a track that gets used a lot 
Scusa Pro Tour has been there. They've had a lot of major races there. Obviously, the challenge has been there many times over, over the uh, you know last decade. Uh, Stars of Karting was brought Star- up a bunch. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, another Pro Series. It's hey, listen. It's a little. It's not Phoenix. It's another two hours down the road when you're coming from California, but it is easily. And I've said this before many times. Did on the weekend. Uh, one of the best race tracks I think that we have in North America. Always races well. And again, David, we'll talk about this later. No red flags throughout the weekend. It really races clean because the way you pass somebody is making moves down the inside because fast way around some of these sweeping corners is a wider arc, you know, a wider entry into the corner. It opens up the inside. It allows for a lot of great racing. So the bottom line is we had some some tremendous racing. First two rounds of the six-round championship goes in the books, the series that started back in 2008. David, you mentioned uh, the the sun. It was gorgeous, really. The 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 skies themselves, blue skies, a little bit of cloud all all, uh, all weekend. Heavy winds on Friday and Saturday, like you said. But all in all, I think everybody just super excited to get back to the racetrack. And even with the challenges with the weather, it was just a great atmosphere in the paddock. Everybody was there. It's good the season started on the West Coast. Let's have some fun. I thought the atmosphere was tremendous. That's something you expect, and and something you. you you know, are going to, is going to happen when you go to the challenge races. That's something we've talked about over and over again is the atmosphere of the challenge paddock. You know, it's, it's again, you go to different events, you have different feels, you know, you go to a club race, it it has a different feel than a regional race. Regional races have different feels than what a national event does. And even the national events, each one you go to always has a different feel because you have the different staff members, you have different, uh, from sometimes, you know, you have different teams, not always the same teams are at all the different events. So you have that different, different feel that different, uh, as you said, atmosphere. And, and that's something that, you know, the challenge has always been about is it's, it's relaxed atmosphere. It's very competitive on the racetrack, but off the racetrack, it's very relaxed. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's happy to be at the racetrack itself. Yeah, and it's it, let's let's uh, let's be real. It, it's a bit of a different uh, approach too. Yeah, we're still racing after some some big prizes, right? The tickets uh, to the Rock Cup Rock Cup Super Final at South Garda. That's always up for grabs. This is a series that is continuing to grow, though. You know, he's hitting some record numbers. Did last year uh, over the fifteen years, but it, it's not. A, this is not a series where we're looking at two hundred and twenty people. Uh, you know, two hundred and twenty drivers yet, right? It's it, it's last year. I think a couple of years we got to the mid forties, one fifty. So a smaller feel to the to the race kind of brings the pressure down. It's not, you know, we don't have the 40 cart fields all the way across the board. Hence a little easier to probably not have red flags. You don't have as many drivers going head to head on the racetrack. Still the year on year growth for the challenge has been very impressive since going to the rock cup USA program. And that's one thing we, we always have touched on. It's been kind of a 10% growth uh, year on year. Started back in 2021, the start of last year's program in Phoenix, 130 entries. We had 132 entries actually on the docket. So there was a little bit more growth for Tucson. A couple drivers pulled out, ended up being 129 entries in total. But really the key when you're talking about the growth of the series was comparing Phoenix to Tucson. Phoenix is a lot, you know, they have the club program there. So it's a lot, lot of regular, like local racers. It's also two hours closer to SoCal, like we talked about. And that I know a couple of teams probably would have came had it not been for, for Tucson. But for Tucson to be essentially the same, if not a couple extra drivers more than PKRA at the start of last year, that's a big win. You have to factor in the, in the, the concept that Tucson isn't as big of a draw because of the drive. 
and maybe because of the lack of some of the facilities. It's still one of the greatest racetracks, I think, track track wise in, in North America. Uh, but still 129 entries for that for the opening weekend. That bodes really well for Phoenix at the end of February. Really, what it is, it's the it's the growth from Tucson in two years ago. It was exactly. 107 that year and it was all the same categories so nothing different uh well yeah all the same category so 107 to 129 that's in two years that's a good growth that's what you want to see yep. when you keep going back to a racetrack like when we go back to pkra we would like to be above that 130 mark that we set last year you know so that that you know that's that's where the growth is yes yeah, so you can't again you can com kind of compare the two openers from last year and this year but really you want to grow from the in the at the facility that you've been at so again you know like a cal speed if we if, if the series goes back next year it's hey we need to be above that 2021 mark that was set uh you know, as a record so that yeah. that that's kind of where you want to go by facility because again like you said tucson doesn't have a club you can draw numbers from it's just exactly it's all everybody is is all traveling there. There's no locals. What there might have been one local driver, I think, out of the entire uh, 129 entries. So that that's the challenge you have with Tucson to where Phoenix, you, you are going to pull some drivers that are going to do a one off with you and maybe go to another race, possibly. So where Sonoma, they never leave Sonoma. <laughs> you know, a lot of them don't. So agreed. Um, yeah, very true. Yeah. So let's let's look at the, let's look at the, the numbers. One twenty nine. We said for Tucson, some of the high water marks. Uh, the, the biggest class actually was the junior hundred cc category at twenty eight, senior hundred cc at twenty two. And I think that does again. We talked about this in the Outlap podcast. Uh, a lot of people on the West Coast have moved to this hundred cc program uh, away from the one twenty five cc liquid cooled tag program. And, and and you know the challenge is seeing that uh, good numbers in hundred cc, and then David horrible. Well, not almost an absence of numbers, complete absence of numbers uh, in the rock GP classes, senior rock and junior rock. Uh, I think it was one senior rock entry. He ended up moving and one junior, a couple of junior rock entries. One ended up moving, one stayed uh, and just ran by himself. essentially to try to get the ticket, I guess, to go to the, to the rock cup super final. So it's, it's a shift. It's a West coast thing. It's a weird deal. We're just not seeing 125 CC tag drivers running the West coast right now. Well, yeah, and and it's it's probably due to costs and maintenance, and and just the fact of you know there's not a lot of the rock races that are on the West Coast yet. You have the Challenge, and you have the California Rock Championship, but aside from clubs and yeah. or any other programs, and there's not very many that are utilizing the Rock uh, Engine platform. So it's so when you when you go to the 125, we know it's a lot more costly than the 100 cc program. So I think, you know, it, it makes sense for people to that have the opportunity to go back and forth between a rock and and IAMI to just go at the 100 cc side of things. So I think that's what you're seeing there. There's again, there's still engine rental programs out there. Numbers breed numbers. And and again, numbers breed numbers. Right? Yes. So you you got yeah. you, we know the senior 100 cc field were big. Last year the juniors category kept growing. There was a number of drivers that were brand new to the challenge in that category. We even saw even more new names uh in the junior 100 cc category to make it the biggest it is now uh biggest of the weekend so again it's just you know it's the ebb and flow of of karting you know it shifts one way and then 
five years later, it's going to shift another way. You know, yeah, we can, we can almost guarantee that, that it's going to shift, uh, in, in 2027. 20, <laughs> I got three more bits. I want to want to hit here as we look at by the numbers right now. Um, the, you talk about ebbs and flows moving up and down micro rock and mini rock last year, there was 21 total in the cadet category, six in micro 15 in mini this year, 22 in the cadets so up one, but we went down a little bit in micro rock four, but up three, uh, in mini rock, a couple of drivers, of course, graduating up from micro to mini. The, the continued growth of micro rock is going to help feed things. But 18 drivers in the mini rock, all, all told, just a couple of guys moving up. That mini rock field was great. And not only was it great, when we get into the, the actual race report, the, the, the wheel-to-wheel racing was fantastic. Yeah, I would say mini rock and junior 100cc had probably the best races yeah. uh, of the weekend to, to kind of, you know, looking at it. Uh, from the outside in, it, those were probably the two best categories for racing on track. Um, and you mentioned the the number of graduates. All our all the micro rocks, I think, uh, that raced last year have either the, either moved up or moved on. And uh, so, all four drivers in the micro rock division this past week, when we're all brand new to the program, Great so point. that's Great that's point. Yeah. that's a positive. Agreed. Uh, the other thing I want to touch on, and I did a little bit over the weekend in the play-by-play, is the 100cc Masters class. You know, we, we talked about 100cc growing. We know the junior doubled, uh, more than doubled from the opener last year, 13 in PKRA, 28 juniors this year. Uh, senior falling down a little bit, 31 to 22. But Masters, I think back a couple of years ago when I was able to run at Sonoma at the finale with Jimmy Gregory, and he, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy was the only driver running in the Masters class that year. I came out and played. Uh, Calvin Chen came out. One of the local drivers came out and ran. We had, we had four or five that weekend. It's grown to nine. David, this is when you start getting that critical mass where people say, hey, you know what? I got an opportunity to go run masters. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be running against myself. I wouldn't be surprised to see 12 to 15 drivers next year. And hopefully we see some more in Phoenix as well. I just I love the 100cc package for the masters drivers. I think it's easier on your body. It's easier on the weekend. I still see masters growing uh, on the West Coast and with Andy's program. It's actually eleven. That's a mis mis uh, misprint well, on my number there. Right. <laughs> Not sure why I had that. I think I confused that with the other masters category. So I'll double check, make sure I got my spreadsheet uh, correct in that. But but yeah, the growth there. That's again, we're, we've talked about it with the the senior and junior levels. It's it's almost the same uh, in the masters division where you're seeing a number of drivers moving over to that that hundred uh, cc rank. You know, it's if we still see the same guys in the uh, in the Masters Rock division that we've seen for the last 11 years at the, at the challenge. That's right. That's right. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's where we're getting a number of new drivers to the challenge and even even some drivers coming back and, and going into the 100cc category, even double duty like a, I, like a David Pergande. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Luke Tracy. Exactly, dude. Exactly right. That's good. And the other thing I want to touch on, obviously, is the uh, the shifter category. The rock shifters has obviously been strong in the West Coast program and the East Coast program, rather, Florida Winter Tour. Still strong here as well. Um, we had end up having 19 rock shifters down just one uh, from last year, but up three in the in the master shifter rock category. You know, guys are liking the package. They're having fun with it. 17 drivers in shifter masters rock, 19 in the shifter rock category. You know, it the cap things off with shifter rock it's always obviously fun i love having the shifters as a final class you know that formula one style standing start brah, away we go and and the racing was great we had a good battle between kyle wick and hunter pickett we'll talk more about that too but just the the shifter rock 
uh, program still strong with Andy's deal. And I'm sure it'll be good on the, uh, the California rock championship as well. Yeah. I thought we were going to get to 20 in both of those categories. Unfortunately, we did not. We got close with 19 and shifter rock and, and 17 and shifter uh, rock shifter masters. So uh, it's, it, I think, PKRA could be the same amount of numbers, if not more, and then hopefully Sonoma will will even uh, top that. Although, though we had some conversations with some of the the rock shifter drivers that they might not be in Sonoma due to testing for other events, so maybe that'll change as as the season goes along. But um, yeah, the you know it's it's still great racing in those categories, and that's you know shifter kart racing is is a unique. Uh, part of the sport again something that was really developed in the west coast and then moved across the country so again that's you know that's still where we want to see the shifter numbers is on the west coast that's where we see a lot of them and the east coast is is catching up you know they're right there especially in the talent level again you go coast to coast there's a number of top drivers in the shifter cart ranks and both senior and masters all right, folks, we're underway with episode 90 of the EKN Debrief as we take a deep dive into the 2022 Challenge of the Americas opener of the event this past weekend at the Muscleman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Arizona. Stay with us. When we get back, we'll jump into the Paddock Pass. It all started in 1994 when former successful kart driver Albino Perilin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop. That's when Perilin was born. Fast forward 20 years and Perlin's passion for the sport led to the company rejoining international competitions as a factory team in WSK and CIK FIA races with the aim of enhancing the research and development process, immediately achieving notable results around Europe, North America, and Asia, becoming the CIK FIA Asia Pacific KZ champion in the same year. Perlin USA is North America's source for Perlin products we run a factory team at all of the major Supercarts USA and Rock Cup USA events. The Parallel chassis lineup for 2021 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag Single Speed Chassis for Junior and Senior Classes, and the 28mm Mini Cart for the Cadet Classes. Parallel has been winning races all over the world, and it's on top of the podium in the USA as well, with drivers like Kai Sorensen, Mateus Arjuela, and Alessandro de Tullio. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parolin. For more information, head to ParolinUSA.com. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and the safety gear you need to get you on the track. Visit ShopAKR.com for a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors of the sport to ensure all the latest equipment is available to you, the racer. With over 20 years in business and customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price when you need them. Be sure to visit shopakr.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Make sure to follow Acceleration Kart Racing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials and new arrivals. Welcome back to episode 90 of our EKN Debrief, our 
Race Report podcast, part of the uh, EKN Trackside Live program. Jumping now into the Paddock Pass, we discuss some of the stuff that happened away from the track a little bit. This edition of the Paddock Pass is brought to you by OTK USA. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the U.S., OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Tony Kart brand to the race-winning Cosmic, Xpre, Red Speed, and EOS chassis, and now the new Gallard and Lando Norris brands, OTK quality is second to none. To learn more about a specific product line or to find the OTK dealer near you, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xpre, Red Speed, EOS, Gallard, or LN Kart, visit www.otkusa.com. All right, David, we talked about this from the very get-go, and so, of course we would. 15th anniversary for the challenge. You know, Andy's enjoying it. You know, if this thing started, again, 15 years ago with the Gators the Gators Cup, moved into, you know, obviously with Rotax, the big years of Rotax. Issues with Rotax, kind of reinventing itself under the Rock Cup USA program. All in all, I think the 15 years of the challenge really kind of is, when you look at it, you see the, the 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 focus on the drivers, and then the evolution into a new engine platform. Yeah, it's it's evolved just like the rest of the sport. You know, again, the one thing though that hasn't is the people, and I think that was kind of the focus, and that's kind of going to be the focus for the fifteenth season. They've had a number of individuals that have been with the program since the beginning, or have left and come back, and. And it's really it's it's the staff, it's the people who who take control and and do do the jobs that need to be done that help make the program so successful and what has kept the program going for the 15 seasons. And so, you know, it's good. It's uh, again great to get back to to Tucson with the Challenge family and see them again. And and again, the you know we talk about it, the atmosphere, the fun side of of, of the sport, just being together and. And again, providing a great product that is the racing series of Challenge of the Americas. You know, as we get into the new 2022 season, one of the things we're seeing uh, coming up is, is some new chassis coming out, right? In the homologation year, uh, having, we had a chance to sit down with Gary Carlton for a new TED Talk, a tent talk show um, that, <laughs> that we did on that we right that we did on Friday night. GFC, the, the, the first one. You know, um, a lot of work being done, and we're working on an article. I'm, I'm working with Gary to, to come up with the article. That is kind of the overview of all the changes. He showed me a list of all the stuff that they did. Really aggressive on making some changes to the GFC car. Uh, number one, the new chassis, all the new material kind of landing here. The same thing with the livery and, and a new, kind of a new brand, not same brand, that black and white, but a, a different look on the livery this year for, for GFC. That was one of the big things away from the racetrack for GFC was the, was the new uh, the decal kits and, of course, the new chassis primarily. Yeah, again, the the primary look, the 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 new livery with the new graphics and uh, of the of the cart, that's kind of the first thing that catches your eye. Obviously, all the little details and minute changes, that's something that, you know, Gary himself is 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 really and and really the racers and the mechanics and everybody on their GFC and and Formula Extent, that's that's their that's their passion. That's the live, live your passion type mentality of, of getting these changes. So that way, you know, it, the carts are going to do what they're they're wanting it to do. And and even, you know, just moving the shifter lever this way or you know, all the different changes that they've done to to, again, make the, the chassis its own, make the brand its own uh, really is is the, the passion that they have you know, for the brand. 
Yeah, this is really Gary kind of pulling back on all the experience he had over his years running in Europe as a factory driver, you know, the development work he did for a number of different brands uh, and being able to now bring that to his own GFC brand. And then, you know, you make the launch, you have your chassis, you do all the work coming out of the gate. Well, now that he's kind of solidified where he is and what he does, you know, Sonny Cervelli on, on board full time. Now he's got this program together where he can really kind of go to work on developing the chassis the way he wants. And I think this year, it's going to be a really strong year for GFC. Once we get into the race report, you're obviously going to you know see the success they had this past weekend. Well, so again, big things for GFC. And that and that goes back to his early days when he was with Track Magic. Again, yeah. that was American made chassis to where they actually built the chassis in house. They would they would build it, take it to the racetrack, test it, go back to the shop, change it, you know, cut it, reweld it, do add pieces, do this and that. That's that is how he began. That's where really his his love and and desire to to tune and test and and find you know just oh just all the little minute little different yep. changes like that's that's what drives Gary Carlton and again like you said when he went to to Europe that just further enhanced you know all the different opportunities and 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 vision that he had regarding the sport and 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 the tech technical aspect of karting. GFC, not the only brand dropping new equipment, new material at the challenge. Uh, CRG, of course, you know, obviously with a lot of shipping issues, we have. Uh, we talked to Ron White and you and Jeffrey at Ron White Racing, and they literally had the carts drop back. I think, like, they put them together when they were at the track, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right, uh, Dave? Yeah, no, they uh, they got them Wednesday. I want to say it was Wednesday night yeah. and put finished the, finished everything Thursday morning so that way they could get them ready for on track and. And yeah, so it was a little bit of chaotic work for them, but, uh, you know, they were able to get things done and yeah, great to see you and Jeffrey back, uh, in the States and, and with, you know, representing CRG factory and CRG Nordam, uh, helping out the Ron White racing program throughout the weekend. Again, Ron got back behind the wheel. That was, uh, that was cool to see with something he didn't do, uh, too much last year. So great to see him, a former series champion back behind the wheel. Well, I think obviously, first and foremost, when you drop a chassis like that, you get the carts together. You hit, you hit, well, you don't want to hit the track running, and they did. Kevin Woods, the uh, defending champion in the Master Shift the Rock, was in the fight all weekend long, qualified on the pole, was not able to to get a race win, but obviously the CRG chassis were rocking. Same with Ryan Martin and uh, and um, Ron White, as you said, those guys were battling up front. Ryan was in the in the position for a uh, uh, for a podium in uh, on in the Sunday main event for for Rock Shifter contact in the final lap he ends out of the race but yeah for to, to me number number one carts were performing the see the new crgs were fast they were where they needed to be and i think they're going to be great in phoenix and i'll say this right now they look good what that you know the, the the new graphic package and everything and the way that cart is finished those crgs were, were some of the prettiest carts on the track on the weekend i think yeah they've definitely improved i think i think the livery prior liveries were kind of you know, did they didn't really stand out as much as what they do now, I think. And that, yeah. you know, the body work, you know, getting the larger fairings, I think that's helping a lot of these carts kind of stand out with, with depending on their graphics package. Uh, that helps, you know, the nose pieces are, are very similar to what they've been. But again, it's it's that unique look, you know, again, GFC is doing that with their livery. And I think the new CRG livery, probably one of the best I've seen in the past decade. Yeah, I like it. Uh, obviously, the Challenge of America is a big part of the Rock Cup USA program. You know, Florida Winter Tour in the in the East, the Challenge of the Americas on the West that leads into the California Rock Championship. 
Uh, Garrett Potter from Rock Cup USA was actually on hand, making sure that uh, you know, kind of, just kind of being part of it, right? Good customer service, being there to talk to the the uh, the, uh, the racers in, in the Rock Cup program. It was good to have uh, Garrett trackside. Yeah, he typically makes the trick trip over for Challenging Americas. Uh, it's based in Utah now. Uh, it's a quick little uh, you know plane ride for him to come down and and to uh, again represent Rock Cup USA. You know, make sure teams and and competitors, uh, you know, have the ability to ask questions or comment on things, and and again for him to help oversee, you know, the products with uh, with all the different uh, engine engine models that are there with the, with the Swift or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the uh, the Mini uh, and Micro Rock versions, and then of course the shifter engines, and then the GP along with VLR that uh, is certainly gaining ground as we saw with record numbers in the Junior Rock division. Yeah, you're right. That's one of the things about uh, the the ch- the challenge. Still, you you can run both the VLR 100 and the KA 100. And and as David said, we saw a lot more drivers in the junior category. Uh, all right, folks, let's let's uh, let's go to another quick break. When we get back. It's time to dive into it. Let's tell you exactly what happened. We'll have our race reports for class by class after this. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and we're primed and ready for the 2022 season with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside of Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. The CRG KT5 is our new chassis for tag and shifter racing, and it's been designed specifically for the U.S. market. The KT5 features 30mm construction with a 32mm front loop to increase front grip. CRG's new Ven 13 brake system is cutting-edge technology with a master cylinder that allows for pressure regulation within the system. Drivers can customize brake pressure to their own requirements to improve feel and to avoid brake lockup. The cart is finished with new KG 507-508 bodywork that has refined aerodynamics and reduced weight. For cadet drivers, the 2022 CRG Black Mirror is already logging positive results to start the new season. This chassis will be making big waves in 2022. Longtime CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. With Force Cycle Racing enjoying consistent growth in North America, CRG's FS4 chassis is the ideal choice for racers in brakes and Stratton competition. From pure racing to karting entertainment, many tracks, both indoor and outdoor, have made the switch to the CRG Centurion rental cart line. Five different models for both gas-powered or electric engines can fit any track's needs for a new rental cart fleet. CRG Nordam has a full inventory of rental carts available for new and existing facilities. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com and to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at cartcrg-nordam.com. Is IndyCar your dream? If it is, for 2022 and beyond, the path from karting to IndyCar has gotten even clearer. It's time to look into the new USF Juniors program. As a stepping stone onto the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires, Anderson Promotions will debut a new series next season that will provide the ultimate opportunity for driver development for karting's career-minded racers. 
The new USF Junior Series will feature a six-event, 16-race schedule to train racers for the move into the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship. The champion will win a scholarship worth over $200,000, and the total prize fund will exceed $325,000. Next year, the series will utilize the current HPD-powered Liget JS chassis, and a brand new car with a Halo-type device will be introduced in 2023. If IndyCar is your goal, USF Juniors is the starting line. For more information, visit usfjuniors.com and follow USF Juniors on social media. Welcome back to the new episode of our EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole as we now get ready to jump into the race report of the opening round of the 2022 Challenge of the Americas. We were in Tucson, Arizona this past weekend at the Muscleman Honda Circuit. Time to have a look at uh, the drivers in Rock Shifter, and I believe Masters Rock Shifter. This race report brought to you by Parolin USA. It all started in 1994 when former kart driver Albino Parolin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop. That's when Parolin was born. Parolin USA is North America's source for Parolin products, and we run a factory team at all major Supercarts USA, USPKS, and Rock Cup USA events. The Parolin chassis lineup for 2022 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag single-speed chassis for junior and senior drivers, the 28-mil Opportunity model for the drivers in the cadet classes, and the Daytona four-cycle chassis. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parolin. For more information, head to ParolinUSA.com. All right, David, we've got Rock Shifter and Master Shifter lined up for this first segment of the race report. I'll throw the headline out. Let's get to work. Here's the headline for Rock Shifter. Wick brings double wins for iconic track magic brand. That's exactly it. You know, it was a near perfect weekend for Kyle Wick uh, performing a sweep on Saturday in all the on-track sessions, leading qualifying winning the pre-final and then winning the main event uh, challenged all day long, however, by uh, his GFC teammate, Hunter Pickett, a former series champion as well. So the top two drivers that we talked about coming into the weekend really showed the way all weekend long. Wick was uh, able to pull off a wire to wire win in both the pre-final and final to score, uh, score the sweep on the day. Pickett only three tenths off. Uh, in the main event, it was a GFC one, two, three on the podium. Jacob Gulick ended up finishing in the third position. Kyriakis Sukis making a shifter cart debut on the Alex Keys Racing EOS chassis, finishing fourth. And then, as we talked about, Ryan Martin having a, a good opening round, finishing in fifth on the CRG. Yeah, for, for those who are not really up to date on the Track Magic brand, this was this was a brand back in the late nineties or the nineties and two thousands. Uh, that was again American Bay chassis, like David talked about. Now, the track magic really a, the, the color branding on the on, on the GFC program under the GFC tent. So, when we talk track magic, we're actually talking GFC as well, as David said. An, another one, two, three for Gary Carlton and the crew there with Wick, Pickett, and Gulick. Uh, all in all, David, a, a really tremendous run for all, all those drivers. Wick, I was I was super impressed, came off the line strong, you know, getting the hole shots, uh, was able to get the lead early, Pickett put the pressure on like crazy. You mentioned Jacob Gulick in the outlap. He has really kind of dialed things in. But uh, we should take a little time to talk about Kiriakos Sukas. Uh, here's a guy that had just done some like a little bit of testing before he came in. I think he was surprised. The family was surprised by how well he did. But you and I have had a chance to talk about him through the challenge over the last couple of years. And he's a talented young driver who uh, obviously has that natural ability, jumps into a shifter, 
and was running right there with the big dogs all weekend long. Yeah, certainly was. And it made it made a pretty good statement. And again, making his debut race only, as you said, only had a few sessions uh, on track with the shifter program, obviously has done a lot of single speed racing, both in the rock GP category, along with the hundred CC division. So, and also doing double duty on the weekend. So to go from the 100 CC package to the shifter, uh, all weekend long back and forth, that certainly, uh, certainly shows the, uh, the talent that is Sukas. One of the things we'll bring in this particular edition of the uh, the, uh, the uh, Deep Brief podcast is there is uh, points for fast time in the main events. So one of the things we'll add in there. So it, it gets these guys pushing throughout the main events. Uh, although Wick getting the victory, David, it was actually Hunter Pickett with a fast time of 48.088. So a little bonus point there for, for Pickett to stay close to Wick uh, heading to Phoenix. Yeah, that certainly helped make it so where uh, Wick was not able to score maximum points in the opening round, scoring that fast time uh, uh, in the main events. So again, just every little bit, as that's something we've seen uh, at the Challenge in the Americas, every little point can matters, especially fast lap points. Because think about it, six rounds of racing, you get that fast lap bonus points. That's uh, an extra 30 points towards your final total. That's it. On Sunday, uh, again, Kyle Wick coming out uh, the gate and qualifying, put it on the pole position, won the pre-final as well. That said, in the pre-final, um, Pickett actually was able to go to the lead. He was actually pretty quick and was there with him and, and made, a, made a pass for the lead, although Wick was able to come back at it, right? Yeah, it looked like there was a, a sh- missed shift for uh, for Pickett, so uh, Wick was able to jump back up to the, uh, the lead and uh uh and take the take the win uh main event was very similar um with uh um pickett grabbing the whole shot and until wick again came back and was able to get by by pickett to take over the lead and then from there essentially led the the remainder of the race to the checkered flag so again another one two finish by wick and pickett on sunday yeah, I mentioned a little bit about the the contact with uh, Ryan Martin potentially going for P3 on the podium for Sunday. They were racing on the final lap, which he and Ryan Martin and Jacob Gulick were going at it. Gulick got to the inside coming through turn number five, which is the right-hander that leads into the S's section, six, seven, eight, and nine. And they were kind of side-by-side side from where I where I could see it. I'm not sure what the final if there was a final call in terms of a penalty on that one. But from what I could see, you know, they were coming out of the five, kind of going wide. They kind of made some contact coming into the apex of six before they got there. I don't know if Gulick was kind of pushing Martin out a little bit. They hit, hit wheels. Gulick was up on top of Martin. They both went off the outside uh, of turn number six. Didn't even make it to the to the apex, the, the entry to the S's. And that's what brought, brought Warwan Kamara cool up into the third spot as he had had a good battle with Mikey Hendricks throughout the day. So Wick ends up getting the win by four tenths, Pickett second, Kamara cool on the podium for third, another one, two, three for GFC. Mikey Hendricks on the crock promotions ends up in uh, fourth spot. And with uh, Gulick, I don't think Martin wasn't able to continue. Gulick was, but Ronnie White then who came from deep in the field after initiating in the pre-final finds himself up P5. Yeah, amazing drive by White to uh, to power his way through. Again, posting lap times very similar to both Wick and Pickett throughout yeah. the main event. Uh, Gulick ended up actually finishing in the ninth position as he was able to continue on, while uh, Ryan Martin was not and ended up uh, finishing 14th overall uh, in the final classification. So yeah, not uh, not the finish Ryan Martin wanted, but again, just uh, you know, racing contact, both drivers going for the same spot, really doing the over under. And it just had, you know, they just happened to connect 
And uh, it was uh, Gulick on top of Ryan Martin's uh, right side pod. So uh, that was not that was not exactly the way they wanted to uh, to end their Sunday. Dave, was there a penalty on that at all? Did they call any kind of a penalty? As far as I know, no. Like I said, yeah, Gulick Craw was able to continue on, cross the line in ninth position, and and no penalties uh, handed out. Because I know that Mark Michion was probably standing right there too, kind of where he was positioned was uh, in that spot where they were coming out of turn number five. So, or, yeah, out of five. So, I'm sure he was looking at it like we all were. Um, and again, we'll we'll cap off Rock Shifter with another fast time in the main event for Pickett. Just wasn't able to get by Wick to get the victories, but the speed was there for Hunter Pickett. Yeah, no, speed was there all weekend long for both Pickett and Wick. Again, it's just uh, a matter of who was quickest at the end of the races, and that ended up being Wick in both days. And But uh, Pickett able to uh, to score those fast lap bonus points. So, again, there's 10 bonus points yeah. towards the championship for uh, Hunter Pickett. All right, let's go to Rock Shifter Masters. Here's the headline. McNeil stamps return with two victories. Yeah, Jimmy McNeil, for many who are not familiar, is a longtime Masters driver, uh, search dating back to what the 2010s, I want to say, early teens. Yeah, uh, so the Pro Tour, right? Excuse well me. over, well over a decade ago, uh, was among yeah. those top. I believe he has two, three Super Nationals victories uh, in the Masters division. So, and again, we've seen him at the Challenge before. I want to say it was possibly 2019 or 2020. That we last saw him at the challenge, and uh, certainly was quick then, and and so he's it's been a it been a little bit since we saw McNeil, but uh, this was his uh, his coming back party for sure, uh, scoring victories on the weekend. Saturday was Kevin Woods to open up uh, the day, scoring fast time and qualifying and winning the pre-final. A little bit of uh, racing early on in the main event between Woods and Cliff Coella, uh, a little contact and turn. Four on lap nine that actually sent Woods out into the dust and out of the race while Coella uh, continued on. That opened the door for Jimmy McNeil to slide by both of them uh, through the contact and from there was unchallenged to the checkered flag to score the main event victory. Yeah, I actually didn't see that happen. I was looking down at the laptop, came back up, and all of a sudden I'm trying to find Kevin Woods and he was gone. Uh, finally able to find find him uh, kind of over the hill, hiding in, in among the bushes after going off the racetrack, uh, being told it was essentially kind of a Quella made a move. Woods tried an over under and actually Woods made contact with Quella. I think he actually got a penalty for the contact, uh, put him off the racetrack. Woods was strong all weekend long. We'll talk about what he did on Sunday as well. Uh, McNeil, as you said, ends up going away to the win. Nick George ends up in second. So it's, it was an Illuminos one, two for McNeil and Nick George. Uh, Cliff Quiella ends up in third. Jonathan Vitolo had a good weekend overall on the track magic. He finishes fourth after a race-long battle with uh, Fernando Diaz. But I'll tell you, David, it was good to it really, it's, it's, it was having Team Vizelia back, right, with, with Jimmy McNeil and Nick George. Um, the, the, the crew was there to be part of the action. Daryl Tunnell was wrenching on Jimmy McNeil's uh, ride as well. It was just cool having those guys back in the, on the track, and that helped pump up the field, as we know, in the Rock Shifter Masters class. Yeah, again, uh the atmosphere, you know, that's what you, you come for the racing and that, you know, that's, that's the reason they're there. They're there to have a good time and, and have fun and be fast out on the racetrack. So really a coming out party for or coming back party for both McNeil, uh, Vitolo and Diaz, uh, you know, a number of names yeah. that we've seen in the past that uh, are coming back. So again, you know, karting, it, 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 you know, it has a cycle, you know, some, 
for some reason you just can't get away and, and it'll bring you back. And so great to see Diaz and, and McNeil come back with, with strong uh, starts in, on Saturday along with Vitolo. Yeah, most definitely great to have the team Visalia crew back with us for sure. Let's move on into the Sunday action now. Kevin Woods, as we had said, the defending champion on the CRG for Run White Racing. Great all weekend long. Like on Saturday, David, he qualifies on pole and wins the pre-final as well. Yeah, again, just, just not the luck in the main event. Uh, the whole shot actually went to Nick George from uh, the outside of the of the of what I believe was the front row. Uh there might have been P3, if I, I P3, recall. I, th- I think he came from the second row, yeah. I think yeah. Woods got a little little bit off, little bit slowed down. I think he actually pulled up some of the racetrack uh, as he launched away. But, uh, yeah, so uh, George was able to get by with McNeil following him through. That dropped Woods back to the third position. And then eventually on lap two, McNeil took over the top spot. And from there, it was all McNeil. Uh, leading the rest of the way to the checkered flag for a 1.3 second margin of victory. Yeah, Kevin Woods holding on to get that second position. George in third. Vitolo, another good run. Vitolo actually looked pretty good there midway through the race. Uh, I I was wondering whether or not he was actually going to be able to roll up and and potentially get by and maybe go challenge McNeil because at one point Vitolo was putting down the purple laps. He was the fastest guy on the racetrack a number of laps throughout that main event. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he looked to be the charger. He looked like he was the guy about mid race that had the pace to to kind of put on the heat and and possibly be able to come up and challenge. But actually, it was Kevin Woods on the last lap of the race to lay down a monster lap of a forty nine point one four six, nearly a tenth quicker than than any other lap. Uh, well, actually, Fitola was then a, a forty nine one nine six, so got him by five hundredths of a second to uh to grab the fast lap of the race and get those uh five bonus points so a little bit of help there for woods coming off of the uh the dnf on round one so that'll help him maybe possibly count that round one round one as his drop and uh get get uh, actually leaving with the most points on sunday thanks to that bone those bonus points yeah, and again, it's the points in qualifying, the points in the pre-final. Even with the the bad finish on uh, in race number one on Saturday, he still has all those points from qualifying on the pole and winning the pre-final. So it's not the worst uh, result. It's it, it'll be his drop right now. He'll focus on it as his drop, but it's still a possibility if he has some other other issues, he may have to pull round one back into it. Uh, bottom line is an, another good run for McNeil. He wins both races, and we'll give a shout out to Fernando Diaz as well coming back, as you said, David, and. Two top fives, pretty solid in a pretty strong field. Yeah, not bad for the old guy coming back. You know, again, <laughs> he's probably got to be in that super master range along with McNeil. And I think even Woods possibly is is creeping up on that. So something, you know, we're, we're seeing nationally a lot of the young guns coming up to the master's rank. But the, on the West Coast, there's still a number of those fast, fast old guys that uh, that can battle pretty good. That's a good moniker. Fast old guys. I'll take that. <laughs> I think Ronnie you, White's. You, in, I think Ronnie White's in there too. Ron, yeah, Ron. Well, he's still a younger <laughs> Masters driver, but he hasn't quite moved that up to that Masters rank yet. That's funny. All right, folks, uh, stay with us. When we get back, we're going to talk about the hundred CC categories. We're going to jump into senior hundred CC and junior hundred CC. The Briggs & Stratton 206 engine is where out-of-the-box ease and outstanding consistency meet to create legendary races. Briggs & Stratton's history of motorsports dates back to when the first engines came off the assembly line in the early 1900s. Their focus on the grassroots level continues to help build generations of racers. 
since 2008, the Briggs & Stratton 206 has gained a following that has the engine powering the largest fields in North American karting today. From the club level of track programs to traveling regional series and national events, Briggs & Stratton competition provides the most exciting racing in the sport. Engineered and hand-built exclusively for racing, every Briggs & Stratton 206 engine is power tested and serialized before it goes in the box. Carters can take that engine straight from the box to their cart and be on the podium at the end of race day. Be sure to follow Briggs & Stratton Racing on Facebook and through at Race Briggs on Instagram. To learn more about the 206 engine or to find the North American dealer near you, head to BriggsRacing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? Looking for that extra edge? Comet Racing Engines is your answer. The engine service program from Comet Kart Sales has been winning from coast to coast at all levels and different forms of the sport. Lead engine builders Mark Harrison and Gary Lawson have decades of karting experience, providing racers the power to reach the top step of the podium. Comet Racing Engines continually perform track and dyno tests to provide their customers with the cutting edge in engine performance. Comet specializes in Yamaha KT100, IAMI Swift, IAMI X30, IAMI Leopard, and Rock engines. Trackside and customer support are the cornerstones of the Comet Racing Engines business, ensuring each and every customer receives personal attention and the help they need to achieve the best results. Engine rentals are available at all the events that Comet attends in 2018, including WKA, SCUSA, USPKS, and the Route 66 Sprint Series. Contact the Comet team today at CometCartsales.com or by calling 317-462-3413. If you're looking to step up your engine program, send it to Comet Racing Engines. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 90, as we talk about the uh, recent race, the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas at the Muscleman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Arizona. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. Uh, this race report brought to you by Parallel USA. And David, let's go into the 100cc senior category. Here's the headline. Drew outguns challengers for double win weekend. You see what I did there? Drew, get it? Draw. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say it. Listen, uh, when you have to explain it, it's not good. I know, I know, but I just, I just wanted to add that comment because I, I thought like it was it. so good. I, I thought it was good so for good. You. I appreciate. It. I'm, I'm I impressed, Dave. I'm we impressed. got to have some banter back and forth. We can't we just talk about the race. So All right, so uh, out of the gate uh, again, this is another driver we've watched uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, Kiriakosukas uh, qualifies on the pole position. If I'm not mistaken, on it, it was Sukas. And his teammate, Jacob Hoover, they were running the VLR package, right? Were they not all weekend? They were. I do have the uh, the list of drivers that were running that. Again, yeah, it's not that. Uh, in the results, so we can, we can talk about that. It was actually, however, though, uh, Jacob or Jake Drew, who set fast time in qualifying. Oh, no, he wasn't. Sorry. He was fourth. Um, we did, we'll we, talk we about him later. We haven't brought yeah, this up. There was a little yeah. bit of tech stuff that happened on Saturday, right? <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that caught a lot of drivers out, uh, not a lot, but I would say about a handful, uh, was Squish. Uh, yeah. They were checking Squish right after qualifying. Jake Drew was one of them. They caught uh, a number, a couple of drivers uh, in the shifter ranks as well. I think yep. Nick Firestone was one yep. of them in, in Shifter Master, uh, also in Mini and Micro as well. So uh, 
Uh, I thought Drew was top qualifier, but I was mistaken. Sorry. So yeah, Sukis was actually the uh, the top qualifier uh, with uh, with Ryan Vincent in the second position. And both, let me double check, both drivers were on the uh, the VLR engine. So Vincent was as well. Yes, Vincent nice. was as well. Again, that's some of the, the, the transition we're seeing. Uh, Challenging the America's making a change for this year. I believe the VLR is 10 pounds lighter. Is that the case, David? That is correct. Yeah. The uh, it gives you know it gives a uh, the opportunity for drivers who are a little bit lighter to to want to run that uh, engine package. Uh, and and you know some drivers actually prefer that to to you know continue continuing to add uh, ballast to to their their carts. So yeah, the uh, the VLR is at three hundred and fifty pounds with the IAMI KA one hundred at three hundred and sixty pounds in the senior one hundred cc division. So on the VLR 100, Kirak Osukas ends up qualifying on the pole. His Alex Keys Racing teammate, Jacob Hoover, uh, wins the pre-final. Both those drivers on the EOS chassis. The disqualification to Drew with the squish kind of dialed things in and gave me something to talk about most definitely on the broadcast. He ends up going from the tail of the field up into seventh in the pre-final. Um, but then in the main event, David, that's when things started getting good. Drew was on his way forward and, and ended up, as you said, getting to the P1. Yeah, Josh Campbell was uh, actually jumped up and uh, was among the top contenders and actually led for uh, a good portion of the main event. But it was actually Drew that scored or led the the uh, the, the main course of the main event and uh, was able to kind of get away towards the uh, the final laps of the race to drive to a 1.8 second victory. Uh, Sukis ended up finishing in second ahead of Hoover. Uh, Liam Lech drove up to fourth with Cole Schrader in the fifth position as jo- Josh Campbell fell down the order in the last lap of the race. Uh, borders point for fast time and uh, the Saturday race for 100cc senior went to Ryan Vincent on the EOS for Nash Motorsports. Uh, moving to Sunday, a uh, new man on top in qualifying, Cole Schroeder dropped the hammer in the Ryan Perry Motorsports Tony Kart. He ends up going P1. Uh, once again in the pre-final, Jake Drew on the GFC showed what he had got himself up for another race win to give him the pole for the main event. Yeah, it was wire to wire wins in the, in the pre-final for drew. And then again, once again, in the final leading all 20 laps for the main event, that was a, uh, again, drivers battling for the second position again, allowed him to just continue to stretch out to a big lead, got out to a 2.9 second advantage when the checkered flag flew. Yeah. 20 lap main events for the senior categories. And this one was essentially over, by lap four, I mean, by corner four of the uh, of the first lap. Because Drew, of course, gets a good run, comes out of one, nice and clean through the chicane two and three. He gets through four cleanly. Everybody behind him, second to whatever, eighth, ninth, they were like three wide coming out of turn number four. Big dive bomb moves. As soon as that happened, I want to say it was, it was over a second, I think, the gap, like 1.2 or something, the first time by the stripe for Drew. They battled behind him, and he just put his head down and drove away. Yeah, not not to mention there was a number of drivers involved in contact in the opening corner, yeah. and then I believe turn four brought you know c- collected a couple others as well. So a, a lot a lot of hustling and bustling in the uh, opening lap allowed Drew to get away quickly, and then again racing behind him allowed him to stretch it out even further over that twenty lap period. 
Yeah, it was a good battle for second and third and fourth. Everybody, of course, scrapping it out for the final positions on the podium. Uh, Ryan Vincent, who had been quick throughout the weekend in the Nash machine, ends up finishing second. Kiriako Sukas, another podium. Uh, just a good overall weekend for, for Kiriako. Uh, Hoover ends up in fourth. Liam Lech back to fifth again. So a couple of top fives for Liam Lech on the GFC. Uh, Sukas with the fast time as well. More bonus points, like you said, David, 52.107. So Sukas with a second and a third Bonus point for fa- bonus points for fast time, you know, and and the bonus points for qualifying uh, pole on Saturday. Although Drew with the big wins in both main events, Sukas closer, gathering as many points as he possibly can for those that are uh, all, all those points that are available. Yeah, and that's something we'll talk a little bit about during the outlap uh, next month, or I guess really one, two, three weeks from now that we'll yeah, talk about that when, when we head into uh, the, uh, the the Phoenix event. But uh, we'll kind of do a little bit more of a breakdown on the points that for that show. Yeah, I'm trying to pop the points up right now real quick here. And I know I know we'll definitely jump Don't into it. Don't talk about um, it. Save it. Save it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I want to talk about it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. You got to save it. You can't right. give everybody everything right now. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into the Junior 100 CC. Here's the headline: Gonzalez and Lambert split wins to take first victories of 2022. Well, as we mentioned during by the numbers, I said Junior 100 CC was probably one of the most competitive classes of the week in that and Mini Rock. Uh, so again, every session we uh, we the, this category went on track. We weren't quite sure who was going to come out on top. Uh, qualifying ended up being Charlie Smith on the Nash. Motorsports EOS chassis setting fast time in that session, but it was Steven Isert, a winner from last year's category uh, or last year's uh, program, uh, winning the pre-final. The main event ended up being basically a three-driver battle uh, at the front of the field, included uh, Isert, Gonzalez, and Parker DeLong, who finally got up to uh, to challenge uh, for the top spot. A little bit of last lap contact between Gonzalez and DeLong. That allowed Isert to kind of come through and kind of break them, uh, get in the middle of those two as they made their way through the S's. Uh, DeLong ended up leading, heading down the long back straightaway, went on the defensive. It looked like Isert thought he could get through on the inside, but uh, there wasn't enough room and nearly basically just drove off at the end of the straightaway. Uh, that allowed you know DeLong to come back through, but it also allowed Gonzalez uh, the opportunity to pull the over under. And then as they went uh, down the final straight, it was a drag race to the line with Alexander Gonzalez uh, able to cross the line just ahead of Parker DeLong. Yeah, uh, but yeah, keep going. I'll keep going. <laughs> but it was a, a penalty for DeLong during that last lap contact uh, in turn five that uh, actually dropped DeLong from the second position down to the fifth spot. So that, uh, that moved Cooper Eau up into the second position uh, with Tristan Young finishing in third on the VME cart. And then uh, Christian Cameron fourth in the, uh, in the final order after DeLong was moved back to fifth. Uh, fast time, David, give me the update on this. You've got Smith and Lambert with a 52 five. It was that actually, did they both actually have the same fast time? Same fast time for wow. two different drivers in the main event. I, this is something I never had seen before. So that I wanted to make sure the ruling on how all of this trans, you know, is it was yeah. was called. So the driver who posted the fast lap first, that is the driver who receives the championship bonus points. So wow, okay. Uh, 
so since Lambert was able to clock in that lap, that fast lap first, he was provided with the uh, the bonus points for the fast lap. <laughs> okay, that's interesting for sure. Uh, moving into Sunday, uh, Christian Cameron coming out of the gate strongly. Fourth on Saturday, as you said, ends up qualifying on the pole and then goes to win the pre-final as well. Yeah, started the day out great. Uh, looked like he was going to possibly be the driver to beat. Unfortunately, he was shuffled back in the opening laps of the race. Uh, and again, I want to say the lead group was maybe about seven drivers at one point. I think so. So yeah. a number of different drivers jostling for the top position. Not really anybody clear cut as the favorite as the race went on. But as the race went on, there was one driver that you can't miss because it was the yellow and black and it kept moving up, moving up. And that was Preston Lambert uh, started from the seventh position was, uh, again, moving up and moving up and uh, got up to towards the front with uh, Alexander Gonzalez and Parker DeLong. Uh, Lambert actually ended up grabbing the lead on the on the white flag lap. Uh, a little bit of racing for the second position as they began their final circuit, allow Lambert to kind of cruise and get away and escape all the uh, the racing and uh, lead that final lap uh, unchallenged and be able to score his first uh, series victory carrying the uh, iconic Track Magic brand. Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit. I was kind of following Lambert coming through. It was a really methodical advance. Uh, you know, was was from P seven from, from seventh. Started working his way forward. He was just, you know, just taking him one at a time, you know, taking his time. Great passes. Again, the track at Tucson, as I've said before, a lot of opportunities to overtake. He just slowly worked his way forward. That last lap pass, we don't, I don't call, I don't know that I ever called one like this for at least for the race win on the outside of turn number five. It was, I believe it was on, was it on DeLong or on Gonzalez, David? Do you yeah, remember? Yeah, you're right. I've completely forgot about that. I was yeah. standing right there. It was, it was as they were coming to the white flag, it was through turn five. DeLong went on the defensive and Lambert just said, forget it. I'm, I'm going to go to the outside. And he pulled the cold trickle move and just oh. went around on the outside. Yeah. It held on through the exit and he was right there. And that, you know, that slowed DeLong's uh, pace as he ran defensive line. So he couldn't quite get the exit he wanted to. And Lambert was went to the S's with all the momentum and speed and was able to gap them a little bit there. And then again, uh, you know, DeLong got challenged for that second position as they uh, went into turn, turn one to on the, on the last lap. And again, yeah, that was, it was very similar to what we saw at the super nationals, Brian Norberg, you know, it, they, the doors kind of opened up and, and Norberg took them. We're here. The doors kind of opened up and Lambert kind of took them. It wasn't, Again, he didn't have the quickest cart on, out on the racetrack, but he took advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves and was able to, again, make that phenomenal move around the outside. Well, and here, a move like that in turn number five takes two, two things. Number one, DeLong was running the defensive line. We've seen that many times. Most drivers will try an over-under. Instead, uh, Lambert rolls into the corner, gets to the bite on the outside. They're side-by-side side around the corner. From there... It's the race to turn six, right? Who gets, who owns the apex of six, which is the entry into the S's, you know, the six, seven, eight, nine. He was able to, you know, it was full commitment. He said, I'm going it was, for it. He said, it was his, turn, yeah. Sent it into six, right? He, he took it. He literally just sent it into six, got himself, got himself in the right spot to, for seven. So he wasn't behind on the S's. You don't always get behind on all the apexes. It was a beautiful pass, got the job done and gets the victory. A good battle, of course, with, uh, you know, DeLong got slowed up, like you said. Gonzalez was in there. 
We did have uh, a fight in the last quarter, David, for the third position, final position on the podium as well. Yeah, let me let me finish up the Lambert thing. Yeah, he just, um, you know, he it was all about the momentum. He got to the exit point out of turn five before DeLong could. Yep. And again, you know, he that that especially in these 100 cc uh, categories, it's all about momentum, keeping that momentum up. And boom, he was, you know, never, never lifted and just just got to the exit point alongside DeLong. And DeLong, I don't think DeLong was going to think he was going to be there. And so we basically had to turn right even more to avoid from making contact with Lambert on that exit point there. And then, yeah, from there, he won the drag race to turn six uh, easily with all, all the momentum on his side. But again, yeah, all the jostling behind him began in turn one and went all the way up until the last corner. Uh, of the race where, uh, you know, Steven Isert made a, made a bold move, basically jumping the curb uh, in the final corner. And that uh, collected John Antonino. Uh, those two went off, nearly hit me. <laughs> I was yeah. standing, cause I was standing right there. I was trying to get the photo, but when I saw them coming at me, I, I actually took uh, evasive maneuvers and you made the uh, correct decision, <laughs> made the correct decision. Uh, unfortunately, you know, both went off, uh, Antonino went around and sat in the middle of the racetrack, hoping nobody hit him. Thankfully, nobody did. I cert sat on the outside trying to get his cart restarted and, uh, wasn't able to do that until everybody passed through. But, uh, again, a wild finish, uh, at the, uh, in the final corner that allowed, uh, Gonzalez to go through the, to the line for third Cooper O'Claire into the fourth position. And then Christian Cameron, who had the uh, the bad luck early on, able to get a top five after all that. Yeah, a lot of action on the final circuit. Steven Eisert eventually got that fast lap. But again, the contact between he and Antonino dropped them down the order. All in all, some exciting racing. And, and, and again, we posted this to our uh, both the EK and Facebook and Instagram page, David. Uh, fantastic look at the celebration for Preston Lambert after he came across the scales. You know, made weight, came in, Gary Carlton up there to give him a huge hug, into the team, up on the shoulders. Um, it was really cool to see the entire GFC team kind of rally around Preston Lambert after that victory. Well, when you get a big win like that, your first big win, that's that's the celebration you want to see. That's, yeah. that's what you want to uh, enjoy and have uh, logged in your memories forever. All right, folks, to the break in the action. When we get back, we'll have Masters 100cc, Masters Rock, and we'll do a quick wrap of Junior Rock as well. Don't go anywhere. More of this EKN debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. Fast, fair, and fun. Ignite Spec Karting offers you all of that at an affordable price. And the all-new IgniteKarting.com website provides you with the information you need to fuel your passion for kart racing. Ignite Karting is a spec kart that features the Margay Racing chassis with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine and a Hoosier R80 tire. Everyone in the Junior, Senior and Masters classes utilize the same Ignite K3 kart which puts all the emphasis squarely on the driver. You can race the Ignite package from Margay at the local, regional and national level. Special events for 2021 include the Ignite Majors featuring events at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, Quincy Grand Prix and Newcastle Motorsports Park. Those in the Midwest can enjoy the regional-based Ignite Challenge Series at tracks in Iowa, Missouri, Indiana, and Illinois. Local club programs have been established in Idaho, Texas, Nebraska, New York, Ohio, and Florida. All the information that you're looking for on events throughout the country and on all the Ignite car packages, including dealers in your area, is available at IgniteCarding.com. 
get off the couch and on the track this year. Ignite Karting. Fuel your passion. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to innovative engine works by FMS, our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief as we do the race report on the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas, which took place this past weekend uh, here at the end of January uh, 2022 at the Muscleman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Arizona. Rob Howden here alongside David Cole in the online EKN studio. Uh, our race report brought to you by Peril in USA. David, let's have a look at the Masters 100cc class, a, a category as we talked about in the, in the intro that is growing here in the Challenge of the Americas. But uh, some great racing, a lot of good storylines. Here's your headline. Kunches takes first victories at Challenge of the Americas Series. And again, like we talked about, this Masters 100cc category is bringing uh, a number of drivers in and is one of the more competitive categories. Even though we had uh, a driver score two victories on the weekend, it was pretty much anybody's game mm -hmm. uh, throughout the weekend. Kunches actually was uh, the top driver uh, in qualifying and winning the pre-final was a little bit challenged, uh, in the, uh, in the main event by David Pergande, a, a master's driver doing double duty, uh, making his first start in the hundred CC division at the challenge in America's. He actually jumped out to a pretty good lead and was leading the way Kunches was right there. Harrelson along with, uh, uh Preston Newberry as well. Um, but, uh, Pergande did not quite was unable to uh, to keep Kunches behind him, uh, trying tried a defensive line a few times and uh, made it really hard for Kunches to get by. But uh, on lap 15, was able to do that and pull off the pass for the lead. And then from there, leading the rest of the way to the checkered flag for his first uh, series victory. Pergande ended up finishing in the second spot with Brett Harrelson rounding out the podium in the third position. Yeah, Harrelson was pretty quick, put in the fast time as well to get those bonus points late in the race. Uh, Mike Weatherman, uh, who came in to, to play here this year, uh, was able to put a program together, was, was really strong in Friday practice. Uh, on Saturday, had some issues in the pre-final, dropped him to the tail of the field uh, after some contact. He fought his way back up to P4, so overall a good recovery for Weatherman. Preston Newberry as well, very strong. Uh, as part of the crew at Forward Direction Motorsports, Kunches, Weatherman, and Newberry all running under the Forward Direction Motorsports tent. Uh, Newberry was fast, as we said, ends up getting a P5, top five in the opening day. He'd come back, though, David, on Sunday. Newberry actually in qualifying, dropping down, 
top time qualified on pole for the pre-final. He was actually fast driver in the uh, the last session on Friday as well. Yeah. So we got to uh, we got to publish a photo of him on Friday. We weren't doing that for qualifying, but uh, he did come out and set uh, a good fast time in qualifying. Uh, again, it was uh, you know Newberry leading the way early in the pre-final. Kunches was there. Burgundy was there as well. Kunches actually took over the lead, and I want to say. Newberry was second and was looking at trying to make a pass back on Kunches, but a, got, Newberry got a little bit sideways, and ended up spinning right in front of Pergandi. Pergandi had nowhere to go. And that collected the two of them in the pre-final. That oh, essentially in, allowed, in turn four. Yeah. yeah, in turn four, that allowed yeah. Kunches to kind of drive away to the win in that race. Uh, let me, let me, let me add. I think what, what, what I saw there was Kunches had made the pass uh, mm-hmm. and then, Oh, and then Newberry is kind of trying to dive it in there and just right. touched like, you know, you're all, you're all, you're on the limit coming through four, right? Just touched the front and the rear thing cart started to rotate. And of course, sliding back up the racetrack on the outside of the corner for Gandhi with nowhere to go. Both those drivers went out. You're right. Yeah. So that had to had both of those guys starting from the back in the main event where uh, Kunches was out front and was able to kind of get away early in the main event. He was able to lead wire to wire for his second victory uh, of the weekend. Uh, Weatherman ended up driving to the second position with Pergande and driving up to third. Newberry following him in fourth. That dropped Bear Harrelson back down uh, to the fifth position, but it was good racing for second, third, fourth, and fifth uh, throughout that main event. You know, for a little bit there, I thought Mike Weatherman may have been able to chase down Kunches. He was putting in some really good laps, wasn't able to keep the pace up. He just has not been behind the wheel uh, in a while. Doesn't have the seat, the, the most recent seat time, but otherwise a good run for Weatherman. I did think, though, that we could see a challenge up front. Yeah, it could have it could have happened. Uh, unfortunately, Kunches was just uh, pretty consistent with his lap times and didn't really make any mistakes. Weatherman wasn't uh, wasn't able to uh, to gain even even more. Uh, than what he did, and then uh, you know was able to lose and lost a little bit, a uh, little, little bit of ground towards the end. But uh, again, Pergande actually ended up finishing with fast time of the race, so he got bonus points there. So he was the quickest driver uh, out on the uh, the racetrack, coming from the back to towards the front and getting back on the podium for a second time on the weekend. So, uh, but it, all in all, good time for Weatherman getting getting on the podium on Sunday. Uh, good to see Pergande again on the podium both days along with Kunches. Uh, and again, Newberry and Harrelson, th- this is going to be a good championship battle. That's something we talked to a bunch of the, them about uh, Sunday after the podiums is this will probably be ended up being a good championship battle. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. There's again, different racetracks, right? Some guys are good at a flowing track uh, like Tucson. Then we go to the tighter Phoenix, then back to suits the Sonoma. I think this will be a good cha- a championship all the way through to the very end. One championship that may not quite be as good, <laughs> just based on the way this guy came out of the gate, was Masters Rock. Here's the headline for the Masters category of rock. Picture perfect weekend for Wang. It certainly was. Never put anything wrong. The only thing, the only time I think he was pressured was when Billy Cleveland nearly took him out trying to pass um, Paul Bonilla during the pre-final on Saturday. That was really the only challenge that, that Derek Wang felt uh, all week and long Saturday, perfect score, setting fast time in the qualifying, winning the pre-final, and then leading every lap of the main event, along with posting fast time of the race. So driving away to 11-second margin of victory, and part of the reason for that big gap was, again, contact on lap two. So it was a 
it was the main event, sorry, not the pre-final, yeah. that uh, <laughs> Cleveland nearly took out the entire field. Uh, Cleveland made a bold move on lap two into turn one on Paul Benia, got a little bit of sideways, and Benia collect, got collected along with David Pergande coming in, having nowhere to go, and hit both of those guys pretty hard essentially taking the wind out of him. And uh, so he had to sit out the rest of the race trying to collect uh, his breathing back yeah. and uh, was not good. So that uh, that really gave Wang a, a full clean slate to uh, 11 second advantage. But that allowed Christopher Mann to come up and uh, drive to the second position. Benia was able to continue and he fought his way back up into the third spot ahead of Mike Giles with Luke Tracy finishing in the fifth spot. Yeah, Derek Wang with a perfect weekend, as we said, sweeps the qualifying pre-final and final fast time in both days on Sunday, came out and did exactly the same thing. Main event, pretty much the same as well, 4.9 second victory over Billy Cleveland. No issues for Cleveland on Sunday. He slotted into second and did his best to chase Wang. Uh, he was the second fastest guy on the racetrack. Uh, Chris Mann pushed him and hung with him for a majority of the race, but Cleveland pulled away enough to grab second. Pragande again back into the four spot. Mike Giles ends up P5. A couple of top fives for Mike Giles. Both uh, Paul Bonilla and uh, Luke Tracy, David, not making it to the finish. Yeah, mechanical issues for both of those guys. So that, uh, that helped uh, kind of shuffle up the order in the top five uh, to wrap up the weekend. Well, and we'll wrap up this particular segment of this EKN debrief with uh, talking about Tristan Young, only driver uh, in the junior rock category. They ran uh, Tristan with the Masters drivers. He went out and turned, uh, didn't turn every lap, came in. Um, again, you know, Tristan, the only entry in the junior rock category, is going to win that ticket if he keeps running the series, right, to go to the Rock Cup Super Final. Shame not to see more drivers in junior rock, but Tristan Young did, of course, get both victories there uncontested. Yeah, uh, again, defending class champion, so uh, going for a, uh, a second championship title in this division. Yeah, thankfully running the 100cc juniors so he can at least come and get some track time. <laughs> yeah, got uh, got three trophies out of it. Ended up finishing uh, on the podium uh, one day in junior 100cc and winning both days, obviously, in junior rock. And we will wrap up our race report presented by Parallel USA when we get back after this break. Made in the USA. That's exactly what you get from Precision Karting Technologies. Based in Detroit, Michigan, PKT brings over 35 years of manufacturing experience to the sport of karting. Their passion for the sport began focusing around the kid kart platform and has expanded every year with hundreds of products designed to put you on the podium. Precision Karting Technologies is known around North America for their successful line of axles available in all age groups. PKT manufactures a number of engine products for Comer, Miami, Rock, Rotax, and the popular Briggs & Stratton 206. A wide variety of chassis components for the many brands in the sport are available through PKT, including hubs, pedal risers, skid plates, and other hardware for your cart. Axle straightening, chassis adjustments, engine service, and specific CNC machining projects are available through their Motor City headquarters. To learn more about the many products and services available from Precision Karting Technologies, head to pktaxles.com. Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on-site at GoPro Motorplex, Kartsport North America features over 6,000 square feet of retail space. 
Along with being the official race team and distributor for the Kurt Republic chassis, they offer full retail sales, Kurt service and storage, and products from the top brands in the sport, such as CZ Chain, Talon Sprockets, SKF Bearings, and Prisma Tire Gauges. If you want to take your racing to the next level, they also offer driver training and coaching programs available trackside at GoPro Motorplex. They have a massive inventory, so head to their online store at kartsportna.com to get same-day shipping of the parts and components that you need. While you're there, check out their used section of carts, engines, parts, and accessories. Kartsport North America, top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. Back here for the EKN debrief, we'll cap off our race report brought to you by Parallel USA. Again, talking about the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas for 2022 at the Muscleman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Arizona. We'll hit up the cadet categories right now. Mini Rock and Micro Rock, they all ran together on the racetrack. Let's start with Mini Rock. Here's your headline. Corn and Woon each earned first triumph in Mini. Yeah, the Mini Rock, as we talked about during By the Numbers, probably had the best racing out of all weekend long. Uh, just just great. Uh, a lot of different drivers in the mix, uh, particularly three drivers that really kind of stood out, uh, especially on Saturday, had uh, Gage Corn, Turner Brown, and Matteo Quinto yeah. uh, leading the way in that. It was actually Serfati, Nico Serfati scoring fast time and qualifying, just uh, didn't quite have the luck with him the rest of the weekend. That was his only uh, shining moment of the weekend as Gage Korn came up and won the pre-final. Great battle, again, through those top three in the main event. Korn was able to grab the lead right before the white flag and was able to escape uh, with the victory, driving away to or driving to the checker flag by three-tenths of a second ahead of Turner Brown with Matteo Quinto in the third spot. Ashton Moon ended up finishing in fourth spot uh, with a Jackson Porter driving up to fifth. Porter actually driving up through the field after uh, getting a disqualification and qualifying for squish. So a good drive through the field by Jackson Porter. Yeah, uh, excellent uh, run for Gage Corn in the uh, Race Factory Delta Sport machine. Big win for Corn, big win for the Race Factory crew as well. Race Liberante, of course, on hand with a good contingent of drivers in the Race Factory colors. Uh, Turner Brown getting the fast lap, 56.264. He'll bank those bonus points. Uh, of course, this is going to be, I think, be a, a season-long battle here for the championship in the Mini Rock category here in the Challenge of the Americas. Uh, Brown, as we said, quickest in the race, fast time, came out on Sunday. David kept that speed up, qualifies on the pole, although Corn was able to grab the pre-final victory. Yes, he, he was uh, kind of similar to what he did on Saturday. It looked like it was going to be a, a similar fight for the race win in the main event. Unfortunately for Gage Corn, it was a meatball flag after the opening couple of laps yeah. with a broken rear bumper uh, that forced him to pull off into the pit lane. And uh, again, recording a DNF for the main event that kind of essentially opened up. Uh, I want to say it was about five drivers battling for the win in the uh, the remainder of the main event. A uh, number of drivers, including Brown, Quinto. Uh, Woon was in the fight along with Jackson Porter and Braylon Underwood as well, making up the five drivers fighting for the lead. But it was Woon who looked like he was a driver to beat, kind of moved his way up forward, got into the lead. They shuffled around a little bit more as well. Uh, after that, but uh, coming just prior to the white flag was able to grab the lead. And then similar to what we saw with with a couple of categories, they started fighting for that second position. 
and that allowed uh, Ashton Woon to drive away and escape uh, with the lead and then drive off to the checkered flag for his first victory uh, in the mini rock division in his first uh, weekend in that category. Yeah, Quinto ended up finishing in second spot. Braylon Underwood for Race Factory coming from deeper in the field to finish third. I think it was a tough one uh, for Turner Brown because had he and Gage Corn because they had pulled away. They were running one-two. They got away from the battle early. And mm-hmm. they, I want to say it was about a second and a half. They were, you know, they had, had yeah. built that gap. Yeah. They were working together. Well, the minute that uh, Gage Corn got the black the meatball flag for the broken bumper, that left Turner Brown out there by himself. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all lined up, reeled them in. And I think, I honestly think Brown and Corn would have fought for the race win. Didn't happen that way. Brown ends up finishing in the fourth spot as a result, kind of got swallowed up in that group. And then at that point, you're in the cage match to see where you finish. And, and David as well, <laughs> another top five for uh, for Porter, for Jackson Porter. Yeah, last year's Micro Rock champion moving up this weekend to, uh, to the mini rank, ranks and uh, coming away with some good good results and probably gained a lot of experience again, racing. Uh, he raced with wound last year, but, uh, you know, racing with corn and Underwood and, and uh, Underwood actually is another mini gra- or micro graduate as well. So, uh, some of the young drivers showing the way, uh, in the mini rock division. Uh, Quinto ended up with the fast time, those bonus points there all in all, we're going to, I think we're gonna have a tremendous battle in the mm-hmm. championship uh, in this category. Now, let's go to Mike Rock, and here's the interesting thing. We'll, I'll throw the headline in, then I'll give it a little lean-in for you. Uh, here's the headline. Hodge debuts with Double Win Weekend. And a little bit before David jumps in, they run Micro Rock with Mini Rock on the racetrack, kind of a cadet grouping. Um, Kaysen Hodge, who ends up dominating the weekend, not he was, David, he was like right in the middle of the top 10 battling with the, the Mini Drivers all weekend. Yeah, it's finished top 10 in every single session, I want to say, on the weekend. So certainly showed the pace throughout the weekend to be, uh, you know, certainly among the top micro drivers in the country right now. Uh, You know, driving, you know, finishing seventh in the main event on Saturday, uh, driving to a 19-second advantage over Luca Popescu. 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 Yeah, Luca uh, Julian, directed me on the podium. Popescu, okay. <laughs> uh, Julian Sanchez fishing third with Sloan Dozois in yeah. the fourth spot. So four drivers in the in the micro field, and really Hodge was uh, kind of in a uh, different area code than the rest of them throughout the weekend. As, as I said, finishing seventh uh, in the main event on Saturday overall with the mini rock division. Uh, as well. And then did the same thing on Sunday. He was actually trailing the lead group all race long in the main event. And because Porter went off in the last corner, he actually finished fifth overall in the mini micro uh, race group. <laughs> yeah. It ended up being Hodge, Popescu, Dozois, and Sanchez, the top four on the final. Sanchez not getting to the finish with a broken fairing. Otherwise, Hodge with a fast time in both races. Just really strong out of the gate. We'll see what happens when we get to Phoenix, whether or not things tighten up a little bit. But Casey Hodge will definitely have a driver that we'll be watching throughout the 2022 season. So that wraps things up for our race reports. When we get back after this final break, we'll wrap things up. We'll have a look at the Constructors' Championship, and we'll look at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar to see where we'll be in the month of February. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive-and-drive programs at many of karting's biggest East Coast events 
full product sales and service and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Karting Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one -on -one coaching to take you to the next level. From arriving drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group is an official Kart Republic race team providing full trackside support at all the major USA karting events, including the Scusa Pro Tour, the United States Pro Kart Series, the Scusa Super Nationals 25, and other events throughout the 2022 season. TKG has in stock Kart Republic, IAMI, MG Novinko tires, and more products for those in Ohio and the Midwest region. Trinity Karting Group has a long history of the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. Motor mounts are critical to producing 100% of the power your engine has to get you on the podium each and every time. Odenthal Racing Products provide the best motor mounts in the karting market today. Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience, providing products with unmatched quality and value for the karting market. Our newest product is the Pro Series mount for two-cycle engines, available in 0, 5, and 8-degree angles, providing a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a medium with fins underneath to help dissipate heat off the engine. Our four-cycle EZ set is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability, depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, ORP wedge clamps get the job done, featuring a number of updates to its design for a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro sizes. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, made in the USA. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief Podcast as we wrap things up here for this edition as we uh, took a good look, our race report at the Challenge of the Americas opener at Musselman Honda Circuit in Tucson, Arizona. Opening couple of rounds were fantastic. David, let's wrap things up uh, for this edition of the podcast. Super windy on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Calm down a little bit on Sunday, thankfully. Temperatures were, were, were pretty good. A little chilly in the morning, but, you know, otherwise midday really good. Right. Just beautiful Tucson weather on Sunday especially, but it was sunshine and blue skies all weekend. And at night when the uh, when the sun went down, it was a little bit chilly there Sunday night and Saturday night. But, uh, yeah, oh, you know, that's what you expect in Tucson in January where we've, we've seen – We've we've seen things freeze uh, overnight, so it wasn't yeah. too bad. But again, I for for the time year year the time of year that we were there, I think it was uh, great weather. Uh, one of the things we always wait for at the end of the day, and then the end of the weekend, because you never want to jinx anything. But no red flags throughout the weekend already. Drivers seem to have some respect for each some, a good level of respect. A lot of hard racing. You know, we, we talk about no red flags. They happen every once in a while because racing to a certain extent still is a bit of a contact sport. Guys make mistakes. You make aggressive, over-aggressive moves. But in the end, there were no red flags whatsoever. Everybody was clean and green through the end. So that was a big thing for me, I, I think, David. I always like it when we don't have any red flags. 
Yeah, I think I think turn one at Tucson certainly provides the opportunity for cleaner starts because we have all that runoff access room in the uh, the cut through that they have connected to turn one there. So it gives you a lot of room. So you, you're not funneled in like a lot of racetracks that yeah. we go to have a the opening corner. So that helped, you know, keep things pretty much clean. Uh, through the main events and pre-final starts, but uh, and again, aside from that, no uh, no major issues uh, throughout the weekend. One of the things we did see uh, is multiple double winners to open the season. Uh, you see some of the top contenders in the championship double wins for Wick, for Drew, McNeil, Wang, Kunches, Hodge. Uh, I wasn't, you know, knowing that the, the level of the competition we had in, in some of these categories, you know, in, in the Rock Shifter class. Um, in the seat and the master shifter, I didn't, I didn't expect to see this many double winners, but we did guys that were quick. were able to back, back it up on Sunday. Yeah, you're correct. It's, it's not an easy thing to come back and, and win the following day because competitors know what, you know, the pace they need to be at. And, yeah. and sometimes they'll, they'll find that extra speed overnight or, or the racing gods just happen to, to go, go your way and not that competitor's way. Uh, but yeah, this weekend having that many uh, double winners is is truly an odd uh, occasion. Dave, let's look at the constructors championship right now. Nine different brands scoring wins, eighteen in total. Track Magic leading the way with three victories. When was the last time we said that? <laughs> I, I don't think we've ever said that, Rob, because we we didn't have a podcast back in the nineties. <laughs> wow, Track Magic, three victories, incredible. Yeah, so Track Magic scoring three victories. EOS actually scoring three victories as well. Two of them with Derek Wang and the other with Alexander Gonzalez. Uh, and then we get into our double winners with Illuminos and Jimmy McNeil, Comp Cart with Ian Kunches, Expree with Kaysen Hodge, and then, of course, GFC with Jake Drew, and then VME Cart with uh, Tristan Young in the Junior Rock Division. You got Parolin and the Race Factory as well. Parolin for Ashton Woon, Race Factory for Gage Corn. All in all, uh, I'll say this, a pretty good weekend for GFC. You know, they're focused big time on this challenge of the Americas. Uh, five wins in total, David, under their camp. But they, they GFC swept in 100cc senior. They swept in, shift, in rock shifter and the, the win for Preston Lambert in 100cc uh, senior. So really, to be honest, if you look at the layout, JFC wins both the headline classes in the hundred CC senior and the, and the rock shifter. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what we we've seen over the many, many, or the 90 different broadcast, uh, podcasts we've done where we talk about all the different OTK brands. Well, now we have two GFC brands. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, I just, this kind of caught me there. 90, 90 podcasts. I said it was episode 90. We'll be at our hundred podcast, a hundred podcasts before the end of the season for this debrief. That's uh it's pretty wild. Yeah, what it goes back to was it the 2017 Super Nationals? Is I that think our so, first yeah. one? Yeah. All right, yeah. folks. Speaking of our ECAN Trackside Live and the where we do these podcasts, uh, let's have a look at the race calendar. This one brought to you by Leading Edge Motorsports. Leading Edge Motorsports is the industry answer to winning in karting. At the helm is industry veteran Greg Bell, who has orchestrated the success of countless drivers dating back to the mid 1990s. Leading Edge Motorsports is the West Coast importer and factory team for IP karting, which manufactures the ultra-competitive Praga and Formula K chassis brands. In 2022, Leading Edge will be trackside at the Scusa Pro Tour, Florida Winter Tour, United States Pro Kart Series, Stars Championship, California Pro Kart Challenge, and high-profile Rock Cup USA events. Contact us today to book your spot under the tent. Visit LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com for more info 
or find them on Facebook and Instagram. At Leading Edge Motorsports, winning never gets old. Well, David, uh, two of our trackside uh, coverages coming uh, in February, uh, in what, just over a week's time, February 11th, 12th, and 13th, we'll be back trackside at the Supercarts USA Winter Series at AMR Homestead uh, in Homestead, Florida. Um, it's not not our live deal because we're not solely on EKN with our trackside live program. You'll be doing all the coverage that we do. I'll be joining Xander Clements as well on the Cart Chaser live uh, video broadcast. We'll still run that audio, though, through our EKN live package. Yeah, through the ECAN Live page, along with our ECAN Radio Network app. We had a, a number of people tuning in on the ECAN Radio Network app for this past weekend uh, at for the Challenging Americas. And so we'll we'll continue to do that. It, again, provides you a, an easier and quicker opportunity to uh, to catch the uh, the action happening trackside where, wherever we are. Also planning another one of our tent talks uh for florida and the next challenge uh next challenge as well i believe what were we looking at for for the scooter race i think we're gonna, gonna do peril in usa i believe so uh yeah that that's looking like the uh the optimal uh tent that we'll be talking in and uh and getting the uh the information and updates from peril in usa on on what's happened up until this point and and what's going uh into the future for peril in usa in 2022 yeah, looking forward to sitting down with Yannick Rowland and the crew there at Parallel USA. Later in the month, we'll be back to, for a full EK and Trackside Live program. Back to the Challenge of the Americas, February 25th to the 27th, the Phoenix Kart Racing Association in Glendale, Arizona. I actually won't be trackside for that one. I'll be at the opening round of the Road to Andy and IndyCar in St. Petersburg. Tim Chappie Chapman will be back on the mic there, David. But back to Phoenix, it'll be a full EK and Trackside Live program. Looking forward to seeing what happens in rounds three and four. I will be watching and listening intently, uh, watching all the live stuff, and of course on the social media to find out what happens. After this past weekend, I'm going to be really interested in seeing who's fast in Phoenix. Again, yeah, very, uh, even though it's it's in the same state, they are two different racetracks for sure, yeah. where Phoenix is, as you said, a bit tighter, a bit narrower, not uh, not as flowing. And they do, do have that long back straight, but uh, a lot of uh, technical corners uh, in Phoenix, and uh, again, it will, we'll see if drivers are able to take what they, they did in Phoenix or in Tucson and be able to continue that in Phoenix or, or drivers are going to get better uh, heading into Phoenix. And that, again, will change up championship contenders, championship chases, and, and who will actually end up on top of the podium both days uh, in Glendale, Arizona. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Obviously, a, a, a strong debut for 2022 for the Challenge of the Americas. Shout out to Andy Saisman and his full crew. Again, 132 entries they had locked in. A couple of guys didn't show. Ended up with 129 total. I expect to see probably 140 or more at Phoenix. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of great race. That that track is it's it's not as it's not as open, wide open, and racy as Tucson. There's lots of places to pass, a little more technical, like you said, David. I think uh, the weekend at, at PKRA is going to be a lot of fun. Midway through the championship battle, it's always kind of that change of, of you know, who steps up, who picks, takes the push to be able to be ready to challenge for a championship when we get to Sonoma. But uh, I'll tell you, it should be some great racing there. End of February, ECAN Trackside Live once again uh, back to battle it out in Phoenix. Let's wrap things up here, folks, today. Again, big thank you uh, to the sponsor of the broadcast today, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. If you're looking for some training to get your driver a little bit better, a little more dialed in to go national or regional racing, whatever it may be, or even if you're a brand-new driver and you want to kind of 
you know, quicken up that learning curve, smooth it out a little bit. Think about the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Otherwise, that wraps things up for this edition of the EKN Debrief Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on our deep dive into the opening round of the challenge. Uh, we'll be back again with more of that. We've got our Outlap podcast coming for the Supercarts USA Winter Series finale next week. Lots more to come here on the EKN Radio Network. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>